Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th tee. Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy back with you for another week. Drudster, we've had a winner of a women's major. We've had Keegan Bradley return to the winner's circle on the PGA Tour. Plenty happening as we fast forward our focus to the British Open in less than five weeks now. Uh, I've played a little bit of golf, which is newsworthy in and of itself, uh, given my track record in the past 18 months. A bit to cover tonight. Mm. Always good to have your company. No, excited to be here, KM. Good back for a uh, another week. We're at last show of the financial year, KM, as well. So oh, There you go. I trust you to... Uh, trust you to focus in on the facts and figures. EOFY, this is the EOFY version of the 19th T podcast. Uh, a week where we salute Ruining Yin, who becomes just the second woman from China to win a women's major, a one stroke victory over Yuka Sasso at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship from Baltus Roll. Uh, a clinic really, Drudes, when you look at it. I think the thing that stands out to me. Uh, just at a headline level, 100% greens in regulation across the third and fourth round for Rooting Yin. Uh, tells a story for mine. Yeah, absolutely. It was 37 in a row because she got 18. She hit 18 on Friday as well. So, which is, I mean, that is, that that's truly phenomenal. 100% over the weekend when theoretically conditions are at its hardest, and and it's exactly right. 66 of 72 in total. Um, truly phenomenal and. And I think then if you look at her putting stats as well, she averaged 33 putts around, which isn't isn't that great to be honest. So it was um, she was doing doing a hell of a job with the irons in hand. So yeah, actually a phenomenal statistic that I don't think I've quite comprehended just yet, KM. No, I, and I think the the important point you made there was the fact that the putting wasn't necessarily supporting mm. uh, the absurdly clean approach play. Uh, Poignant in the fact that, you know, Yuka Sasso herself, a major champion, having won the 2021 US Women's Open from the Olympic Club in California, she was putting the pressure on. Uh, and she's been largely unsighted, really, in her, in her professional golfing career since that major victory. But she came uh, with a flurry in this final round, uh, got up and down from the bunker to to birdie and, and put a bit of pressure on in the last, and then ruining in, uh, you know, sends her... Her tee shot wayward on the 72nd hole into the rough, and you're thinking, goodness me, we're probably looking at a par at best here and potentially a playoff. But, you know, clinical again with the iron in hand and, and gives herself a look at a birdie, not many of which had dropped, best part of probably 12 to 15 feet, and she manages to do it, which is what you want to do. I mean, that's, I think, when anyone uh, imagines themselves uh, whether they actually can and it's within their capabilities or whether you're just playing your local course on a weekend. Imagine yourself winning a major. It's that mm. birdie putt on the 18th with a little bit of distance. And she did it, and she did it comfortably, as I said, to become just the second Chinese woman to win a major. So uh, an incredible story, uh, really. And uh, and I probably wanted to get your thoughts first and foremost here. Um, we will get to Rojane because she also made a late run, and that's a name that we've spoken about particularly recently a lot on this podcast. But uh, the comparisons are, are quite 
Well, they're quite in your face in the sense that uh, Ruining In has won her first start at a major. She also won on her debut on the LPGA Tour a little earlier this year. Uh, Rose Zhang was shooting to do the same, and and I compared the relative focus on both players. We knew very little of Ruining In coming into this. What we knew of Rose Zhang was um, almost entirely to do with her uh, unprecedented college career, but yeah. it's that it's again that that complex that we talk about of the American uh, golfing society, you know, almost so thirsty for a female champion that you mm-hmm. know Rose Zhang is, has all the attention, particularly in this final round, and an understated uh, Ronnie Yin comes through and is the one holding the trophy at the end. Well, it's quite incredible, really, when you think about Rose Zhang being the great hope of of US women's golf, and she's played three fucking tournaments and this is her first major, right? Like I think that's pretty unfair for Rose Yang to be honest. Uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I think for, you know, this tournament, I was just looking at the leaderboard there, nine players within three strokes of the lead. So really competitive. And, and we probably don't see that as often on the men's side. I was just thinking back to the, to the uh, LA country club last week. I think we only had maybe three or four players within three shots. So, there were a heap of players in contention and, and there were a number of ways in which this could go. But yeah, it just largely, again, I, I guess, you know, we hear so much about the players from South Korea. We hear so much from about the players from the US, even the Philippines at, at times. Uh, we know that up in sort of um, Scandinavian Europe have got some incredible players. Our Aussie girls are, are there that, we we do tend to forget about the the Chinese golfers on the women's side, particularly. I mean, of course, you got Hao Tong Lee, and everyone knows my thoughts on Hao Tong Lee on the men's side. Um, but you've got two two Chinese players finished in the uh, top three at this at this major. So um, yeah, maybe maybe we need to be starting to pay a little bit more attention to to the Chinese golfers on the on the US. Uh, sorry, on the LPGA, Marshy. Not sure. Well, I mean, you look down uh, in the top of the third is Angel Lin, uh, and and the funny story goes is that uh, Roy Ningyin is actually living in Angel Lin's house mm. uh, as as a Chinese golfer making her start, and and obviously a familiar face therefore on the LPGA tour, and and the joke going around was she could probably afford to buy Angel Lin's house uh, off the back of this <laughs> win, a one point five million dollar uh, payday for Roy Ningyin, part of the ten million dollar purse of the KPMG Women's. PGA Championship, but you're right. I, I think really anything that China turns their hand to, just by sheer weight of volume, uh, you're bound to have a number, and also probably discipline and dedication. That's the nature of um, their culture across the board, let alone in sport. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you see, particularly in the the women's side of the game, a steady production line of players coming out of China. Uh, to your point, not necessarily. Uh, I suppose replicated or supported on the men's side of the game, but you know, two inside the top five at this tournament. I think more broadly as well, Drew, it's what impresses me. Like you look down the top ten here at the uh, KPMG Women's PGA, and you're looking at do some rough maths on the run: uh, China, Japan, Spain, Sweden, uh, America, England, Korea, uh, all in the top ten. So a spread of nations as well. Mm. Uh, which is not necessarily common on the men's side of the game no. either. Mm. So, uh, you know, the, we, we've said this kind of, I think, from the outset um, of this podcast, you know, running on four or five years now, the women's game is in, in, in an incredibly strong position, um, not least of which because of its um, diaspora of 
talent when it comes mm. to you know nations and origins of players. I mean, Yuka Sasso was on the verge of becoming the first player to ever win um, two majors under separate nationalities. Yeah, she won uh, under the Philippines flag at the 2021 US Open. She competed. Uh, under the Japanese flag uh, this week, and that's mm-hmm. her, her father's side of the family. Um, the story goes because the the visa makes it easier for her to travel the world playing golf. So, yeah, it's it's an incredibly uh, eclectic and diverse group of mm-hmm. women's golfers at the very forefront of this game, and I think it only adds to what is an entertaining product in and of itself. Mm. Um, point for me to to pull out, and only I would pull this out. Uh, good to see some yellow in the flags. In, at the top of the leaderboard as well. <laughs> Getting pretty sick of red, white, and blue combinations. It's the first thing I look for now is the combination of colours in the flags. Need some green or something to get in there. So I don't know. Don't know where that's going to come from. Uh, six bogeys, Marshy, for the week for Ryongin. Uh, how did I say that? Ryongin. Six bogeys. yeah. Six yeah. bogeys for the entire week, which is phenomenal, really. 14 birdies, obviously. But yeah, just, just truly impressive stuff and just so in control of her ball and um yeah it feels a little criminal that when you hit 36 of 36 greens over the weekend and and hit the ball as well as she did to only win by one stroke but uh nonetheless she is holding the trophy at the end of uh at the end of 72 holes so congratulations to her we'll make a quick scoot down the the leaderboard as we generally do so mention yukasaso finishes at seven under, just one stroke back in outright second. Uh, five players there in a tie for third. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a further stroke back at six under. Carlotta Segander, the Spanish woman. Anna Norquist from Sweden. Megan Kang of America. Angel Lynn, as I said, um, in a tie for third. Stephanie Meadow, uh, mm-hmm. the English woman. Now, I, I call out Stephanie Meadow's name here, Druids. Did you see the topped fairway wood? On yes. 18 today. Goodness yes. me. Have you ever seen anything more relatable in professional golf than than that shot from Stephanie Meadow? To her credit, uh, she got up and down uh, for par, I believe, to round out her uh, her place there in the top five. But uh, the mental fortitude, because I generally go to complete water, um, to be honest, after, after a shot like that. Uh, I, was, I was impressed with her composure to step up and get up and down following that top fellow would. Well, it was a bit a la, um, it was a bit a la Rory McIlroy at like the 2018 uh, Tour Championship. Do you remember that at East Lake on the 18th? He had he, I think he topped a three three wooden. He didn't get end up in the water, but uh, yeah, there was there was shades of Rory doing that that um, very quickly came rushing back. But uh, no, I, I tend to agree. I mean, not, look, I, I've done enough of those now in my time playing golf that I'm. It's now just water off a duck's back from the KM. It's you, you step, you you do you do that. You step up and and you go again. And um, I like to think that that's built resilience within me. Moving down the leaderboard, Druids. Uh, I think the next person I want to call out here is uh, Rose Zhang, uh, who yeah, as I said, the the ceiling here for this player is. It's difficult to to really quantify when you consider the resume she's already built at a college level, winning on her debut. A lot of people fancied her uh, amazingly coming in at a major debut this week. Uh, and I temper all this by saying, you know, our winner, Rooney, uh, you know, as I said, has, has won in her major debut. But 
Rose Yang uh, put herself in the conversation today uh, with a closing 67. I think she'll rue the 74 in the second round, but she only finishes three strokes back. Uh, and really, I don't think dissuades anyone uh, from their opinion of her based on her performance this week. No. Uh, I mean, little stumble on the back today, 13 and 16, with bogeying both of those. But I guess that's probably more, as you say, so young in her career that you can certainly uh, forgive that run, as they say, in the racing world. But, um, yeah, she she had a run, Marshy, from rounds three, to, three through four, where she didn't make a, a bogey uh, between hole six in her third round and – uh, sorry, hole one in her third round and hole 13 in her fourth round. And in that time, she made a further uh, two, four, six, seven birdies and an eagle. So she went on a, a truly incredible run over the weekend to put herself in contention, as I say, stumbled stumbled today. But um, on that back nine, 13 and 16, as I mentioned. But, you know, as as you said, absolutely no knock from from my perspective. She's, she's going to be a very, very special player and... Um, uh, I just, I hope it doesn't all happen too quickly for her. I mean, the, we've seen with so many sports people across the world mm. that we've seen where they burst onto the scene, they are the next great hope and, and, um, and then things don't go to plan and all of a sudden it's why we're asking questions why. So hopefully that's not the case for her because she's going to be a very, very special talent. And to agree. I tend to agree. And we said this at the time when we're kind of we're running through her resume a couple of weeks ago that the challenge will be maintaining a balance away from the course because uh, clearly golf is not the issue. She has that uh, in spades, maybe more so than anyone we've seen on the women's side of the game for a long, long time. So yeah. Yeah. you hope for her sake that she is given every opportunity uh, to fulfill uh, that abundant potential that we know she has. So yeah. A quality finish uh, T8 in her maiden uh, her, her maiden major performance. Uh, T11 is where I want to fall here, Druids. Um, there's three players there. I only really want to talk about Leona Maguire mm. because she was the 54-hole leader, uh, looked in a, in a commanding position, to be honest. She had her challenges. There was no doubt about that. But the, the manner in which she played, particularly for the first two days, uh, she absolutely deserved the lead and deserved, I suppose, people's uh, not presumption but 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 confident prediction that she'd go on and close it out. Uh, she ended up having a seventy-four mm. today, um, and, and just to articulate how I suppose surprising that performance was from the fifty-four hole leader. Uh, this is courtesy of the LPGA Tours channels after. The third round. So Leona Maguire's last eight rounds leading into Sunday at Baltus Roll, um, inclusive of the three rounds in the tournament at that point, uh, were all in the 60s. So that equaled the, the longest consecutive streak of rounds in the 60s so far this season on the LPGA Tour. Um, she had an average strokes gained total of uh, plus 4.63 on the field in her last eight rounds. Uh, she was five and a half birdies or better per round, scoring average of 67 and a half, and was hitting through those eight rounds 82.6% of greens in regulation. So those numbers were insane based mm. on where she was at 
Mm. And based on her scoring average of the, the previous eight rounds, she's in fact shot six and a half shots over what she was averaging leading into that that final round. So of anyone in the field, I mean, there'll be players above her, no doubt, who are disappointed not to get the job done, probably not least of which uh, Yuka Sasso finishing one shot off the eventual winner and running in. But mm. I don't know that there'd be anyone more disappointed leaving Baltus Roll than the Irishwoman, Leona Maguire. Yeah, for the four bogeys between hole six and 14 today. Uh, so that nine hole stretch, she was three over, made a birdie on 13 and, and had 35 putts today. So that's probably the the story in a nutshell for Leona that the putter wasn't firing. And yeah, she's, she she should be very disappointed because she's, um yeah, she she's one of the world's best on her day, Leona. Um, and yeah, she'll be, she'll be bitterly disappointed with her finish there after playing so well for the three rounds. Who was coming in as the most recent winner on the LPG as well. She won the Major Classic the week prior. Um, so the hot hand uh, in the field leading in, uh, she's obviously uh, an extremely talented player uh, and, and one that we do like because we have a soft spot for Irish players on either tour mm. on this podcast. But yeah, you would have expected more from a player of her, of her calibre in that final round when when it counted, so no doubt she'll uh, be a bit of self-reflection going on for Leona Guar in the coming days based on that performance. Uh, that leads nicely into our next player on the leaderboard, uh, and that's probably we want to spend a bit of time on. Grace Kim, outright 14th, uh, the Aussie, her highest finish in a major today. Obviously, she played her first major a few weeks back in the Chevron Classic on the LPGA Tour, and she's really playing her first uh, full season on the LPJ this year. Uh, outright 14th in your second start. Uh, she's making every post a winner is Grace. And we've seen this. Uh, you know, I think we've probably known from the moment we spoke to her on the podcast that she um, was destined for, for bigger things than playing uh, here in Australia or in Europe or across Asia. You know, we knew that the LPGA was the final destination. And um, what we're seeing now is, is certainly not the complete fulfilment of her potential. Uh, but I, I think a projection that shouldn't surprise anybody who's been keeping an eye on the last two or three years, Drews. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think we said even in sort of the five minutes that we spent on the this tournament at the back end of last week's episode, we said that this would be a course that maybe suited someone like Grace Kim, who is quite an attacking player really well, Baltus Stroll. Um, eight bogeys for the rounds, uh, for the four, four rounds, my apologies. Um, so, Again, just really clean. Um, unfortunately, not making a whole heap of birdies to really push towards the top of the leaderboard. And um, the iron play, which has probably been one of her strengths, was sort of lacking a little bit in the first two rounds, only hitting 13 of 18 and 12 of 18 greens. But the um, the putter certainly made up for it um, across, uh, particularly across the weekend. But, um, you know, she's she's going to be a very good player. Grace Kim, you know, nothing seems to phase her. I think that's the point that I continually come back to. She, um, she's. I, I don't know that there's a a lot of pressure on Grace. If that if that's fair, I think it's maybe we look at her and think that she sh- she is going to be or she should be our next great hope. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's sort of reflected internally that nothing's. Just nothing seems to phase Grace. She um she goes about her business. She's immensely talented, and um I like the way that she finished today. Um had a had an early bogey that could have really derailed her round, but um 
balance things up and and manage to finish the round two under par and outright fourteenth is is um, no nothing to sneeze at in in just her second major, I believe. Yeah, phenomenal performance. Uh, takes home just short of one hundred and fifty thousand US as well, uh, which will, if nothing else, provide a little bit of financial security as she plans out the remainder of the year, which as we know, and we've heard countless times through countless stories on this podcast, it's incredibly important to have that safety net of cash sitting underneath you and kind of liberate and free you up to play the tournaments that you want to play as opposed to have to play mm. um, to, to shore up your future, which is excellent for Grace and something she thoroughly deserved after the work she's been putting in. Um, I don't have too many more I want to single out other than just probably running through the Aussies. Mm. Uh, Drude's uh, down in a tie for 20th. Um, Minji Lee, who I think on balance would be pretty disappointed, to be mm. honest. Uh, I think she was two or three strokes off the lead after 36 holes. She went 72-67 through Thursday, Friday, and probably had a lot of people looking over their shoulder. Um, well, not many because she was near the top, but certainly a lot of people around that top 10 thinking, goodness, mm. um, you know, not sure how sustainable Leanna Maguire's run is given she's not done it at a major before and I'm looking at people around me and, you know, Minji is a former US Women's Open winner and what do we got ahead of us? So, yeah, I think it, it wheels fell off really in the third round, to be honest, um, for Minji. 75 is, is not great at all. Uh, she brought it back with a 69 today to finish at one under and ultimately seven strokes back in a tie for 20th. But that's a disappointing finish for Minji, who, you know, a major champion person who expects um, the very best out of herself. And, and, and so do we as fans. That's not uh, unfair or, 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 or to cast aspersions on the performance. Suffice to say, where she was sitting after 36 holes, we would have expected her to finish higher than in a tie for 20th Drews. Yep. Uh, totally agree. I mean, look, she wasn't the only one to falter on on the Saturday. Uh, there's plenty of rounds in the in the seventies. Round one, thirty four putts uh, to sort of, I think it was one over par on uh, on the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, thirty four putts in the first round, only hitting ten or fourteen fairways, nine or fourteen fairways in round three, and thirty three putts again. So it was just a little bit up and down for. From Minji, twenty nine putts in round two. So yeah, it's it was just a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, so yeah, no doubt she'll be um she'll be disappointed to be finishing so far back in the field when when really uh, we as you mentioned we expect her to be a lot lot closer to the top. Uh, conversely, which is going to sound strange because she actually finished below her, but I think Gabby Ruffles will be walking out of this week quite happy with her performance, uh, finishing an even par and a tie for twenty fourth. Uh, not her first major, um, but still, you know, we're, we're incredibly early in her career, like we're right at the beginning, to be honest. So, to be having those performances, um, you know, we know she has a spot in the US Women's Open. She goes to a course she's pretty familiar with, the Pebble Beach. I think she's she's rounding into form at exactly the right time as she wants to go and shake up a major. And the performance here at Bolter Stroll, uh, I think, projects well for, for her next outing uh, at Pebble Beach. Yeah, well, started very poorly, didn't she? She was four over par through the first six holes uh, in the first round and managed to rally and bring it back to two over at the end of uh, 18 holes and, and um, made the cut and, and rallied really hard in that second uh, second round um, to get herself heavily above the cut line and then gave three shots back on 15, 16, 17. And I think she might have only just snuck through on the cut line, actually. But, um, yeah, she... Again, 
so young in her career, as I feel like we say about a lot of these um, Aussie female players, um, just very, very early in their career and, and the experience is going to be um, invaluable for, for these ladies in their career moving forward. Uh, Drude's uh, moving down, uh, not not an Aussie, but worth making mention of Lydia Ko. Um, P57, pretty disappointing uh, mm-hmm. to finish at six over, um, given the run we know she's been on, particularly in the last 12 months, and also for what is the third-ranked player in the world, which leads me into just a little segue I want to go on here. Now, I don't invest as... as Long-time listeners of this podcast would know I don't invest all that much time in world rankings, particularly on the men's side. But quite unique if you work your way down uh, the women's world rankings as it relates to this leaderboard. So uh, Jin Young Ko is the number one ranked women's player in the world, uh, the South Korean, the dominant South Korean. She finished uh, in a tie for 20th. So not not crazy disappointing, but you know she is the best player in the world per rankings. Uh, if you then go through the next couple, it's not great reading. Nelly Corder, albeit a long layoff with injury, and she knows she's come back from the wrist, which is always spells trouble as a golfer. She's the second uh, best women's player in the world per rankings. She missed the cut. Lydia Ko is the third, top fifty seventh. Lilia Vu, the American fourth, missed the cut. Minji Lee, fifth, who we've just t- spoken about in the tie for 20th as well. A tie, Titicul, missed the cut at sixth. Like, there is a lot of players here at the very pointy end of the women's game. The highest finishing being the number one ranked player in the world at a tie for 20th. So I'm not sure what that says, if it says more about Bolter's role or if it says more about um, just the form of these players at the pointy end at the moment. But... Yeah, Baltusrol took some took some names this week, particularly uh, those at you know the very top of the game. Yes, interesting, interesting stat that you read through there. I didn't know that, so um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a reflection of the course. I'd suggest that perhaps some players weren't able to step up and deliver when they needed to. Perhaps. Don't agree. Just rounding out the other Australians, uh, T sixty one Steph Kiriaku really uh, wanted to call this out. Uh, seven over, um, you know, and fifteen shots back of the lead doesn't necessarily jump out at you as uh, worthy of a mention uh, but it was revealed I believe after her second round that prior to her second round or maybe it was her first, it was sometime in the first 36 holes she'd been on a drip uh, an IV drip the night prior to either her first or second round. Looking at the scores it may well have been the first to 75 mm. uh, better food poisoning I believe but to sit on an IV drip and get herself up to play uh, and then still make the cut in a major is uh, an exceptional effort. So I just wanted to call out Steph Kriyaku there. Uh, Hannah Green finishing a tie for 68th, mm-hmm. uh, a winner most recently on the uh, on the LPGA Tour as well this season. Eight overs disappointing for Hannah, uh, and it doesn't get much better from an Australian perspective. So Sarah Kemp uh, missed the cut on the number at six over, and then if you continue to scroll down, uh, it's not great. Karis Davison, 10 over, missing the cut. Sue O, 17 over. Really, 82 in the first round. Bolter's roll wasn't easy, mm. put it that way. I think particularly depending on the wave that you took. But, um, yeah, a couple of Aussies there, disappointingly, not making the weekend. So, that is the KPMG Women's PGA Droids. Yes.
wrapped up. Shall we head to the PGA Tour? Yeah, well, I think briefly to the PGA Tour. There's not a great deal here for me um, because TPC River Highlands doesn't light a fire underneath me, uh, nor does the Travelers Championship. So Keegan Bradley, your eventual winner by three strokes at 23 under, which I think tells the story. Uh, Some interesting quotes from Rory where he said he he kind of feels as though technology has left courses like TPC River Highlands uh, go by. Essentially was his words, um, which, you know, yes, welcome welcome to the chat, Rory. Great. I think uh, it would be nice if you maybe shared your sentiments with a few of your colleagues who don't see that there's any problem with the uh, the distance or the speed at which the ball travels. Mm. Uh, he did his best. He got a bit wobbly, Keegan, on the on the back nine today, um, but he, he manages to hold on. I think that's four or five wins now for him in his um, PGA Tour career. Of course, a major champion, mm. which we often overlook. Not everyone's cup of tea. He's not offensive, but he's just a bit vanilla. He's Keegan Bradley, um, but he got the job done. Uh, he and Chez Reeve were kind of juking it out for most of the final round. Chez Reeve drops ultimately four strokes back at 1,900 and a tie for fourth. Along with Paddy Cantlay, who I saw today, has jumped up in a fourth in the world ahead of Victor Hovland in the world rankings, which, um, to my point, roughly seven minutes ago, I put absolutely no credit behind the men's OWGR rankings. Mm-hmm. That you think Patrick Cantlay is the fourth best men's golf in the world, that anybody thinks that is completely fucking wild to me. Yeah. Um, he sucks. Yeah, he's just the worst. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, an effortless nineteen uh, hundred, another top five finish. Uh, it's becoming laughable now, almost how good this season is from a ball striking perspective. Drew, is that necessarily racking up the wins? You get the sense that we'll look back on it in years to come as as truly a, a historic, uh, historic season. Um, Tita Green, yeah, uh, just not on the green itself. It's actually wild how good at golf he is. Mm. Like, but it's not even, you know, I think if we go back to this time, no, not even this time last year. When was it? His first win was Phoenix. Maybe? Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, last year. And I think at the time we were kind of like, okay, this is cool. And then he came out and he won again and won again and won the Masters. And it was like, all right, when's this going to finish? And it and it just hasn't. It's it's one of the all-time great haters of, I know he's not winning, but 16 in a row. Uh, sorry, what did you say that stat was before? Did you say 16? Or am I dreaming? 16 what? Sorry. I'm just scrolling oh, through a few Scotty-related no. stats. I can tell you in a moment. Yeah, no, I thought there was like a a stat that I saw there was like 16 top 20s in a row or something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah. So he's just he's playing exceptional golf and, yeah, he's on one of the all-time great haters, Scotty Scheffler, and he continues to grow in my book as someone that I genuinely enjoy watching play golf. So uh, let me take you through his tee to green rankings in his last 10 tournaments mm. just to kind of articulate what we're talking about here. Uh, he was second tee to green at Bay Hill, first at the Players, second at the Masters, fifth at the Heritage, second at the Nelson, first at the PGA Championship, first at Colonial, first at Memorial, third at the US Open, and second tee to green this week at the Travelers. Mm. Uh, he has in uh, 14 starts, no, 15 starts now, uh, 15 starts so far this year on the PGA Tour, lost to a total of 66 players. 
period That's in, in, in 15 starts. He may well be staring down the barrel of losing to less than 100 players across the entirety of 2023. Uh, and as we like to do, uh, comparing that to uh, anything to do with Tiger Woods, uh, in the year 2000, the very peak of Tiger, uh, he played 22 events and lost to only 68 golfers in that uh, calendar golfing year. So wow. um, just to, like Scotty is phenomenal. Um, no one's as good as Tiger, nor likely will they ever be. But Scotty is having a remarkable year without necessarily, like all things being equal, if he putted just at average, just at like at zero, not losing nor gaining any strokes of the field, he's probably looking at having already won five or six tournaments. Well, I mean, you know, I just rattled off three tournaments that he was first tee to green in. Mm. He wins those if he yeah. putts at average. So Correct. we're looking at probably a five or six win season so far Correct. if he's putting at average, which is insane, to be honest. And why I will have no fear in not picking him at uh, Royal Liverpool in five weeks' time mm-hmm. unless anything, something drastically changes, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Uh, but let's put that one in the back pocket. Um, just working our way down the leaderboard uh, further, Rory McIlroy in a tie for seventh at 18 under, uh, good without being great, which is crazy to say about an uh, 18 under par score across mm. 72 holes. Uh, but there and thereabouts. Uh, Made an ace. Uh, he did. He did. So I'm just trying to, it was, I believe, the opening round. This just will teach me always to have these things ready to go in front of me because I flagged this to you something I wanted to mention. Uh, prior to hitting the record button, and I just never drew the stat up in front of me. So it was his first ace, I believe, in yep. his entire PGA Tour career. True. There, there was, however, a stat tweeted um, from at PGA Tour comms, which is a great account if you don't follow it and you are a Twitter user. Uh, so it's kind of like, I suppose, the the official account of the communications and media team of the PGA Tour, they tweet things like pairings, pin placements for the following day, and then just quirky little stats, mm. uh, one of which was posted following Rory's uh, ace, which I'm desperately trying to scroll down and find. Uh, his first ace in his entire career. Here we go. Here it is, Drids. Uh, holding one at number eight. On the opening day of the tournament, his first career race in the PGA Tour. Have a guess across the entirety of his PGA Tour how many par threes he's played. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind, he's ever scored a hole in one in his PGA Tour career. How many par threes has he played across his PGA Tour career? Uh, many thousands, circa yeah. four thousand three hundred. Yeah, you've 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 given it a little bit of extra mayo, okay. uh, a little bit of GST there in your figure, which is fine. Uh, that was the eighth uh, at the Travellers at uh, mm-hmm. TBC River Highlands on Thursday. Was his three thousand two hundred and fifty third par three played in his career um, to secure his first ace? There's a quirky little stat for you uh, from Rory McIlroy. Uh, he tied with a guy uh, who I don't know a great deal about. But I've heard the name before and. And I apologise for my lack of knowledge. Um, people may know a bit more than me who are listening, but Denny McCarthy, uh, just your average run-of-the-mill tour player, uh, almost holed out on 18 on Thursday for a 59. Mm. Uh, and and I mean almost hold out, like the barest of margins. Close, wasn't it? Yeah. Just incredible. Uh, it would have been a 59. would have been absolutely incredible. Uh, so he's obviously... 
regressed across the weekend to finish in a tie for seventh, which brings us neatly to Minwoo Lee. Uh, Drew, it's another top 10. Mm. Um, takes home a couple of hundred thousand dollars US, but more importantly, uh, essentially secures his place in the PGA Tour next year. So off the back of the PGA Championship, uh, both he and Ryan Fox, uh, you'll recall from our review uh, podcast after that tournament, secured um, essentially a special exemption through to the remainder of the season, which allowed them unlimited sponsor exemptions. So pick and choose the tournaments you want to play, you'll be in. Uh, give you every opportunity to sew up your um, your your status for next year. I think he's had three top 10s since then, um, most recently this week at the US Open at LACC the week prior and another one, um, the name of the tournament escapes me. But he has now essentially done it. Like He's got the better part of 300 non-member points. Um which you know should sit him comfortably inside the top 125. Now it will be a matter of what's his level of status. Is it full status? Is it conditional status? Uh, he heads to Scotland now, uh, where he plays the British Masters, and he'll stay over there through to um, the Open Championship because uh, that's his other route through. So I think he's in the top three, maybe in the in the DP World Tour rankings at the moment. Yeah. So the, the top two are Rory and John Rahm. So he's essentially yeah. he's number one. <laughs> Um, at yeah, the, well, yeah. Which, so yeah, not not otherwise exempt. Yes. So apparently that is largely unassailable. I was reading before. So he's he he's pretty much he is locked in for the, for the PGA Tour next year. Um, and of course, there's not many tour. There's not many uh, uh, events left on the actual PGA Tour that aren't co-sanctioned with the DP World Tour. Obviously, we've got the Scottish Open uh, and then the Open Championship. They're the only two left that I think that he's actually going to get a start in that are co-sanctioned with the PGA Tour. So he's got to play well in both of those just to 100% lock everything up. Uh, but it, it's all but done. Um, and yes. interestingly, interestingly, at the minute, Marshy, like we, we always refer to Minwoo as his, the ball striking as being something that is just renowned for him. Um 63rd in strokes gained approach this week, really poor, and, and 33rd in, in strokes gained tee to green, um, but second around the green and second with a putter in hand. So, um, as I say, the abacus never aligns and you can never get all the beads on one side. So, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully can kind of turn that around and put it all together and, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see him notch up a victory at some point as well. So, Yeah, he's he, I think... What's so impressive about him is it's one thing getting the opportunity. It's another thing taking it. Uh, and it hasn't been, you know, top 30s. He's literally had three top 10s now yeah, yeah, in the yeah. last couple of weeks, which is exceptional. And and there's enough events now with enough variety of strength of fields. He's going to bob up and win one soon. I've got no doubt about that. Lovely to see him as well. He did a great um, – he was one of the walking interviews with the AirPods on – the coverage and a lot of credit. He was actually meant to be at Bolter Troll supporting Min G mm. uh, this week. He wasn't in the field um, at the Travellers. And then I think he's he's finished in the top 10 at the US Open, sewed up a spot, so he decided to play on. But there, you know, a lot of praise for his sister um, in that interview that he did with the broadcast, which was excellent. So quality uh, quality young man and, uh, and a quality golfer with everything ahead of him, which is great. Um 
Speaking of quality young men and quality young golfers, uh, Lucas Herbert as well, Drew's worth mentioning it. T15 mm-hmm. was his final position, I believe, which is another great start for him. He, he's not necessarily in the same ballpark in terms of current points and status as Minwoo, but he's chasing. And you might find, you know, continued performances like that. Um, probably not this year, but he's going to get more starts and maybe he follows the same sort of path in terms of a special temporary exemption next year. Um, it was the same path that Cameron Smith followed onto the tour back in 2014. So there's form lines there for Australians who do it, who, who, make the most of their opportunities when they get the chance to go to the States. And Herbie's another one who's playing some pretty bloody good golf, obviously winning in Japan a couple of months ago. And now he's, um, yeah, he's hitting, a, he's, hitting a, he's hitting a good ball over in the States. He is, yeah, particularly with a flat stick third this week in strokes game putting. So, um, yeah, he, he is in good form. Loves Instagram too. If you're not following on, on the gram, he'll give you some great insight into into the game as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely get around him. And also um, friend of the pod as well that we've had on many years ago now, Jamie Glazier. Um, if you follow him on uh, Instagram as well, he works uh, with Lucas Herbert um, in sort of a, a mental resilience, mental coaching space. He, he's a great follow-off and spends quite a bit of time with, um, with Lucas. So uh, if you want a bit of behind-the-scenes access, follow those two. Uh, good shout out, uh, Jamie Glazier, the mental mastery. It's good stuff, Jamie Glazier. Uh, other Aussies in the field, Adam Scott finishing a tie for 19th and 14 under. Cam Davis, T33, bouncing back from what's been a couple of um, disappointing weeks, particularly at the US Open. Uh, of course, talking out of my hip pocket there is my roughy selection, but that's fine. Uh, T33 for Cam Davis, J Day, uh, T45. I continue to call it uh, J Day because I know it gets under the skin of one or two of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that a good a good finish for J Day and a T forty five at nine under, uh, and then I'm just scrolling through. I don't think that was it. No one missed the cut. I don't think missed the cut, which is good. Good weekend for the Aussies. Um, two other brief things to call out. Ricky Fowler had a sixty, mm-hmm. uh, the lowest recorded round in his entire career on the PGA Tour. Obviously, he wasn't all that far off that in the opening round of the US Open at LA Country Club, uh, and. Fitting I mentioned LA Country Club because I believe Justin Thomas had a 61 in this tournament this weekend off the back of an 80. 62. Sorry, 62. On round three. Yeah, 62 off the back of an 80. It was an 81 or 82 he had at LACC. Yeah, it was a so, lot. Golf's a funny game, eh? It is. Golf's 62 <laughs> with a bogey. 62 with a bogey. Uh, yeah, golf's a funny game. Um, briefly, Drudes. Uh, a yeah. couple of quick things to round us out. The question without notice, because yeah. um, I'm a little surprised you haven't brought this. But what is undoubtedly your favourite tour of all golfing tours up in a long, long time? That's the Champions Tour. Uh, we went through we went through a purple patch there of um, talking about the Champions Tour a, a little, uh, and and we've gone off the boil. I only bring it up because uh, Podrick Harrington defended um, his title. I want to. Yeah. I don't know where it was played. I want to call it. I think it was at the Dick Sporting Goods. Something, Dick's something. Sporting Goods Open at the, I don't know, I'm not going to have a go at how you pronounce that, in, enjoy Charlotte Country Club is what it, no, in E-N apostrophe J-O-I-E. You want to have a go at that? Nah. In, in Jui, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? Move on. So <laughs> it, he, he wins is, is, is the point. The question I wanted to ask you. And I don't say this, like I actually say this genuinely 
seriously. Like there's mm. there's no tongue in cheek here. Is there space for Padre Harrington to play on the European <laughs> team? The Ryder Cup team. At Marco Simeone Golf Course for the Ryder Cup later this year. Like uh, actually, actually, seriously. Short answer is no. I think okay. if uh, look, uh, and the short answer is no. The long answer is yes because I would love to see it happen. I think it would be just wonderful viewing. Um, a little bit of experience in there may not go astray, considering the likes of Poulter and Westwood. They're all not going to be there, so uh, Harrington may be a good fit in that set that that circle if that's what you're thinking. But I think the Europeans would be best off really pushing to have a lot of young players in their team and really getting some experience under their belt. That's my short answer. Would I love to see it? Absolutely, and I'm sure you would as well. Not sure. I actually don't know in the history of the Ryder Cup if there's ever been a player who played following captaincy. So who, who played, then became a captain, and then was picked again as a player. I'm not sure that's ever happened. The guys in touch, like T27 at the US Open, uh, off the back of weekend rounds of 67, uh, 73 is not great, but he had a 67 in, in moving day to make himself somewhat relevant at mm. LA Country Club. His ball speed, he's got up in like the 190s, like he's worked on his speed, he's hitting the ball a mile. I, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I also don't necessarily think it's the stupidest suggestion that's ever been made, personally. No, look, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, if you're looking at the current, uh, current leaders of uh, points, you've got Ram McElroy and a bloke named Yannick Paul, who I've never heard of. Marshy, literally, have never heard that name in my entire life. Uh, and then followed by uh, in the world ranking, uh, sorry, in the world points, Hovland, Hatton, uh, and Fitzpatrick. So that's where you're at right now. Um, yeah. So I'd suggest there needs to be a couple of names that are jumping there. I think guys like Fleetwood, Lowry, Rose. I think Moronk is a chance. Um, yeah. Look, I'd I'd love to see it happen. I just don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, Marshy. Tend to agree, Druids. Tend to agree. But I just thought it was worth yeah worth worth flagging. Yes, I've got one quick one before you give us your brook uh, your Brookwater recap. If that's okay, my apologies. Sure. Um, just a shout out to a good friend of the show, Tim Hart, uh, who uh, won the Emerald Pro Am. Uh, obviously, the Pro Am circuit going on back home here in Australia, and then the uh, on-site mining town series as well. The only reason I call this out, aside from Timmy winning, uh, was that he hit an albatross um, that got oh, him dear. across the line, five hundred twenty-five meter par five, sixth hole, hold out uh, with a four iron from two hundred and seven meters. Shot 10 under par, uh, 60. One shot off the club course record. So shout out Tim Hart. All yours for Brookwater. I'm assuming that, you know, speaking of albatrosses and course records, that you're going to give us some sort of feedback there. Yeah. So look, uh, last Friday, I was very fortunate to play in the Josh McIntosh Memorial Golf Day. It, mm -hmm. it remains one of my favorite days on the calendar each and every year. Uh, I flagged it last week, uh, mentioned that I was going to play in it. I uh, mentioned that if you haven't listened to the episode that we recorded uh, near the end, I think it was uh, end of November in 2021 with Brad, 
um, Josh's older brother. Kind of gives you the backstory on on Josh's journey, um, suffering from an incredibly, incredibly rare condition uh, that he ultimately and tragically um, lost his life to uh, a couple of years ago. So we first heard about Josh through Louis Dobler, um, Josh being a, an immense uh, influence on Louis's early career growing up uh, on the Brookwater Golf Course in the west of Brisbane. Uh, and and that story was told beautifully by um, Brad in detail when we had Brad on and and we subsequently remained you know in close contact and 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 become good friends with Brad who's a, who's a lovely lovely human being. Um, I had the pleasure of playing in his group last Friday, which is great. Um, and a, and a shout out to the third member of our group, uh, Paul Baxter, PB, as he was affectionately known by by Radzi. Uh, and and Brad and PB and Josh lived together. Um, for what sounded like an incredible four-year span, uh, I, I was getting detailed recounts of stories of uh, 2 p.m. Friday tea times and everyone rushing home from work to play into beers in the Brookwater Clubhouse, into watching the European Tour on a Friday night, into getting up early into the PGA Tour and rinsing and repeating for three days on the weekend. And um, it sounded like the liver's got to work out for the better part of five years in that house, uh, but also sounded like three very close friends. So it was an absolute delight to play with uh, with Brad and, and with Paul out of Brookwater. I posted the scorecard. Uh, so we had a four under 68. Yeah. Um, so Ambrose, and I, I've actually been – I've actually been a little surprised by the feedback, which like I didn't think four under was that impressive, and and let me tell you why because we didn't rank in the top six, so they handed out prizes for the top six, and our sixth place was six under, yeah. so we were two strokes out of the prizes and two strokes out of the top six, but a lot of people were into me saying that they wouldn't they couldn't possibly believe it. So uh, it was actually also four under with two bogeys, and you definitely don't win. Ambrose golf days, no. um, hitting hitting two bogeys, but no, the boys did well. Um, <laughs> I contributed. I contributed off the tee. Uh, I contributed with. The, actually, putted very well. I probably dropped well three or four birdie putts and and another one or two pars. I contributed very little to nothing in between. So I was yeah. off the tee and I was on the green and 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 um, Bradley uh, essentially was the irons all day. But no, mate, it was a great day. Um, you know yourself, it's a challenging course, a and I can understand why some people maybe um, cast some aspersions on the score of 68. Mm. Um, in some respects, I actually think the group of three was an advantage. Mm. So it to be groups of four, and we had a late withdrawal, unfortunately. Um, uh, Paddy, who I had pra- played with previously in this day, is a very entertaining man. It would have been great to spend eight in Holston, but he was a bit sick. So we, we were dropped down to three, and it actually may have been to like – from a pace of play perspective, it was excellent. We motored through. Mm. Um, but I also think that uh, the fourth player, I reckon, can often be a disservice to you. So three three was an advantage. We were nimble, we were agile, we were mobile, but ultimately fell two strokes outside of the prices. So, um, But no, a great well day and in great spirits. You know, the best part of 100-odd um, people out on the golf course, all the money raised going to uh, Beyond Blue, actually, which is a, a cause that Josh was very... Um, passionate about as he was battling his illness. Um, so, yeah, a wonderful day and one I look forward to being part of next year as well uh, and in years to come. So a big shout-out to um, to Brad, to Naomi, his mum, and to all the crew that pulled together a, a great day for Josh uh, at Brookwater on Friday. Well done. Great recap and well played as well. And you've certainly improved on last year's effort. I think you're up around <laughs> that 
the 14 to 15 lost ball mark. Yes. You know, you're down to four or five this year, so you've done well. Congratulations. I was thrilled. And I think you're thrilled. You're probably buying into the the feedback that you're getting a little bit too much. I think there's a lot of people just throwing a bit of bait at you there, KM, and you you took it and ran with it. Oh, yeah, I did. Like, I I mean, I don't play. Very personally, didn't you? I don't play, like, I mean, it's a running bit on this podcast. I don't play nearly as much as I'd like, and that's what happens when you have small children. But, like, I'm not a terrible golfer when I do play. I I actually think not playing a lot frees me up of any sort of expectation and I go and hit the yeah. ball relatively well. And when you're playing in Ambrose, I clearly think four under was absurd, but I think one person in particular who's a member at Brookwater was incredulous at the fact that we'd um uh we we'd scored that well. Hit a birdie on one of the holes. I think it's the fourth or fifth on the front nine, which is it is a difficult hole, but there you go. I've been a member there for over a year. He says he's never hit anything better than a bogey and he was absolutely <laughs> incredulous that we birdied it. So anywho, that's that. Um that's a good way to end. I, I was going to maybe throw in a bit about the the, the ongoing frivolities around the merger, but there's nothing further. Uh, they are at the mercy of a US Senate investigation. Uh, Jay Monaghan's been called. He's not been cited, and obviously we hope he's well. Uh, still battling yes. whatever health concerns he has been, which is forced time to step away from the game. But he's been summoned to appear, as has Yassir um, Al-Rumayan um, from the, the Public Investment Fund. So... We're going to be in for some interesting hearing streets because yeah. you can bet your sweet biddy that'll be broadcast live on C-SPAN or something of that nature, and <laughs> we're going to be getting a lot of good viewing, I would have thought. So there's not much point in doing anything until those um, investigations happen yep. and those hearings have, uh, have been heard before the US Senate because I imagine we will all be a lot more informed uh, because you are uh, yeah you're under oath. You're subject yes. to the same consequences if you lie to the senate as you were uh, if you perjure yourself in court so yeah we're going we're to learn an awful lot over those couple of days of the uh of the senate investigation hearings we certainly will and uh there's no not much point in us including anything more because by the time we put this out something will have changed it'll in be the, redundant in the four hours uh, when we go to bed, something will change. So Exactly right. So <laughs> Plenty nice. coming uh, as well. So uh, the women go back-to-back from a major's perspective. Their next outing is Pebble Beach for the US Women's Open. Uh, and, of course, we've got uh, Hoylake, Royal Liverpool, the Open mm-hmm. Championship coming up in uh, about four weeks' time. Uh, not sure if you saw, very cheeky from Royal Liverpool. The day after the US Men's Open concluded, uh, they posted a flyover video of Royal Liverpool. Right. Um, about 30 seconds long. Looked fucking excited. God, it looks good. I'm so excited for this. I'm but the the caption um, or the, the copy, it was probably about four or five lines. The first one was open to all. So just a little dig at LACC, a little dig at the US Open. Literally the day after, just got in open to all. Excellent. So I loved that. That's loved a little, like. little drive-by from the RNA. So yeah. plenty to be excited about. Plenty of content coming your way. Special... We've been promising it for a couple of weeks, but uh, we decided to hold it over until next week. State of Origin. Our State of Origin golf selections to coincide with the teams being named for Game 3. A redundant game because the Mighty Maroons have already wrapped up the Series 2 zip. But uh, those NRL State of Origin teams will be named early next week for the final game in Sydney. And we will name our State of Origin golfing four balls uh, to coincide with that. So that special episode will be coming out next week. Other than that, Stay tuned. Lots more to come, Druids. Pleasure as always.